question like, oh, it's going to be so hard for me because I'm a woman or I'm a person of color to go and raise that money. And I'm like, look, if you walk in the room thinking that, like you're automatically giving yourself a disadvantage because there are so many other things, like other problems that you're going to have to solve. And you have unique advantages over some other founders that you don't even know about. You're listening to the Almost 30 Podcast, a lifestyle podcast hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Tune in for a new episode every Tuesday to hear our honest conversations about topics like wellness, entrepreneurship, spirituality, and self-development with guests who are really smart, really inspirational, and really fucking funny. (laughs) It's real, it's raw, and it's unfiltered. Inspired by our transition from our 20s to our 30s, we realize it's so much more than that. Our mission is to provide you with the tools, guidance, and motivation to help you navigate any transitions in your life and propel your personal growth. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. Welcome to the Almost 30 Podcast, everyone. It's Lynn's. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for subscribing, rating, and reviewing. Our reviews have been so awesome. Thank you. Ugh, we read every one of them. If you haven't rated and reviewed on iTunes, it means the world to us. It really helps us in our ratings. Therefore, helping us bring on more guests and sponsors that we know that you will love and benefit from. And we're just wanting to grow this community bigger than ever, you know? So thank you, thank you, thank you in advance. Um, If you haven't already, join our secret Facebook group. We're waiting for you in there having amazing, inspiring, funny, thoughtful, supportive conversations. Uh, Check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash almost 30. A few bucks a month, you get extra content and it helps keep this train running, you know? All right, so it's just me introing this week. Krista is flying on a plane from Detroit right now. Um, In the future, we'll be able to like, speak while she's on a plane and intro a podcast together. But since we're in the present, not today. So today on the podcast, we are so excited. Um, This conversation really went there. Lauren Schulte is the CEO and founder of The Flex Company. She never intended to start a medical device company. So... um, Medical device sounds a little uh, sterile for what it actually is. Flex is a uh, menstrual disc. So you've heard of like a menstrual cup. Honestly, those didn't work for me. They work for some people, but it didn't work for me. Not until Flex, this disc came into my life. Did I figure out that, oh, like I don't have to think about having my period all the time when I have it, you know? I could just forget about it. She spent more than a decade in a marketing career working alongside entrepreneurs and change makers in Silicon Valley but was also at the same time suffering in silence, you know, for a good majority of the month, plagued by a painful period and subsequent infections, which she believes were brought on by tampons. And she was just like so distraught and kind of disturbed by the fact that, you know, no one was trying to make anything better than a tampon for women, you know, like we've had all of these advancements in the last 80 years, you know, so many, you could think of like, Uh, put a man on the moon. Okay. Like tampons were made in the thirties and pretty much they're the same 
product that we use today. So she started doing some research. Uh, We go into that. We talk all about the evolution of this product, what exactly inspired it, how she has created this successful brand, uh, how she pitched to a room of male VCs, investors, you know, why would they want to uh, invest in this company? She killed it, obviously. And we also talk about some personal stuff, you know, like her bisexuality, like working um, alongside her husband, like working with a great friend of hers. And yeah, Lauren is just the raddest. She's so honest, open, smart, and we just had a great time. So stick around for this entire convo. Gets better and better and better. And you're going to learn so much if you're an entrepreneur, if you are looking to uh, improve the way that you handle your period every month. This is for you. We love you guys. Double episode this week. We hope you enjoy it. And please reach out to us with any questions, comments. We love hearing from you. Please stay tuned. We are doing an Almost 30 meetup tour, Chicago, San Francisco, New York. Those are the dates or those are the locations that we have right now. Stay tuned for the dates and we might be adding more cities. Love you guys. Enjoy this one. Yeah, someday. How to start a podcast. (laughs) Come to our TED Talk. (laughs) It's really fun. So you can, like, one inch, two inch, whatever. You can kind of hear it. Um, Wait, what was Erica's TED Talk going to be about? uh, She doesn't have a TED Talk yet, but she has, like, a TED-style talk that we're recording in front of a live audience. That's so cool. Can we come? Yeah. Cool. She would love that. It's really funny. She gave it in front of, she did it at another event and like the whole audience was dying laughing. She's funny. I'm not, unfortunately. I wish you were here. She's the comedic release. Wow. That's amazing. Cool. That is so cool. We we should start talking about what our TED Talk's going to be. Yeah, our TED Talk (laughs) will be. (laughs) We're so excited you're here. This is a long time coming. I know. I'm excited to be here. I mean, you brought down the house at our event. We had so many people so like enthralled with Flex. Like mm-hmm. they didn't know this existed, that it was an option, that this company um, was thriving and something, you know, that they could be a part of. And then they just loved like your honesty mm-hmm. in your journey in creating the business and the challenges, you know, it was like a no bullshit mm-hmm. talk. And we really yeah. appreciated that. So thank, thank you. you. Yeah. That's why we vibe with you. You're like no bullshit. Yeah. And you are a fucking hustler. So can we start and tell the girls, tell our listeners about Flex? Sure. I know you've never done this before, (laughs) but uh, we're going to ask for it. Flex. Flex is a new period product called a menstrual disc. And I made Flex because I was getting yeast infections from tampons for about 15 years. Um, And Flex is really unique because of the shape of it. It's shaped like a disc and it sits in a different part of your body than a tampon or a cup. So tampons and cups kind of plug up your vagina, mm-hmm. which can cause cramping and bloating. Mm. And the disc sits higher up kind of where a diaphragm sits, mm-hmm. um, which means that you can have sex with it in. You can leave it in for 12 hours and it won't give you any kind of infection. Whoa. You can have sex with it in. What is it made of? It's made out of a medical grade polymer. Cool. And you're like, wait. What is that? Yeah. What is that Polymer, even? I know that word from ninth grade. Yeah. yeah. Like, wait, what does that even mean? Um, it is a material that's used in all different types of medical devices. So um, the, the most important thing to me when I was making this product was safety. That this is something that's safe, that it's not going to disrupt the pH of your vagina, that it's not containing chemicals, that it's not going to grow bacteria in it. Um, and so, yeah, that's why we use something that had been 
that is already used in so many other ways inside of the body and it's totally safe. Is yeast infections um, caused by pH imbalance in the vagina? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, what does that mean? Like pH? So it's like a pH level like-, like the acidity? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. That's correct. That? Buzzwords. So it's like, you're, it's acidic. Yes. Your vagina is acidic. Um, and then you have like your blood is more alkaline. And so if you are wearing a tampon, it's absorbent. So mm. let me back up really fast yeah. and give you a good analogy. So your vagina is like an English garden. Ooh. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And then there's different types of bacteria that are in the garden. So you have some morning glories and you have some bluebells and you have some, but I like one. that it's an English garden. <laughs> Me too, yeah. I just think it's of this so like, much damper. <laughs> exactly, it's damp, it's moist. I'm like, mine's like a desert. <laughs> it's a very specific aroma. Yeah. Um, but there's, there's one particular type of bacteria that should be the dominant bacteria. And you imagine if you walked into an English garden and there was jasmine, it's kind of like the thing that over overcomes you in, in, in comparison to everything else. And when there's an imbalance, um, that's what can cause an infection. Um, it can be an overgrowth of a specific type of bacteria that otherwise is totally safe and normal and okay to have inside of your vagina, but everything kind of has to be in balance. So if you're wearing something that's absorbent internal, it's like basically sucking up all that good flora that you're working mm-hmm. so hard to produce. That's okay. why we drink like kombucha and eat yogurt and things like that to keep everything in balance. Wow. So then, so your tampon, essentially just repeating you, absorbs everything, including good bacteria. Yeah. Oh, so it was absorbing too much of your good bacteria. Yes. And you had an imbalance in the mm. bad bacteria was more prominent. So then you got yeast infections. Correct. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Is a yeast infection itchy? What's like the symptoms? Oh yeah. God, Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> so I've bad. had a couple. I've had friends who have chronic yeast infections and it takes over their life. Mm, yeah. Speaking of eating yogurt, my friend used to put yogurt in and around her vagina. Oh. I swear. Wow. That's what the doctor said to do. Oh, Damn. my Lord. I was That's like, wait, what? She's I like, like yep. that doctor. She's like, I'm desperate. I haven't done that. <laughs> I got very close to putting garlic in there because I've heard that too. Really? But that was that was the thing for me. Every single month I would get my period and then the following week I would get a yeast infection. So my vagina was mm. out of commission for 50% of my life. Whoa. It was a huge problem and I tried Damn. everything. I, you know, I started wearing granny panties. I changed my diet. Did you think it was a tampon? Did anyone think it was a tampon or no, what were they? No, no, no. It wasn't until my mid-20s that this holistic nurse practitioner said, I'm not refilling your monthly prescription. Because at this point, like monostat and none of that stuff would ever work. So she said, I'm not refilling your uh, prescription for what's it called? It's like flucazone or I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It kills all of uh, the yeast in your body. And if you use it long term, it's actually pretty bad for your health. Wow. So she said, I'm not writing this until you quit using tampons. I'm like, quit using tampons? I work out every day. Little angel. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And then I tried the cup and I loved the idea of it, but mm. it just wasn't quite there. It wasn't quite there. What was what? What did you not like about the cup? Uh, well, first I could feel it, mm. and if I kind of moved in the wrong position, yeah. I would feel it poking me the stem. Yeah, and then second, it was really hard for me to um, insert and remove. Same. 
Yeah. And see yeah. how to go to the doctor. Yeah, he had to extract it from my body. Because it was like a tube. They sent, like, mm-hmm. we, we, we got them and it was just a bigger one, I guess. Yeah. And it, when it, like, opened up, it just suctioned and wouldn't <laughs> come out. I was, like, clawing at myself. But, yeah, I feel the same way. And that just deterred me. I was like, no, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I don't need to, like, do that in public. The thing that blows my mind about menstrual cups is they always come in two sizes. And if you read the box, it's like size one is small and size two is if you are over 30 or have given childbirth. I'm like, wait a minute. My vagina doesn't turn into a pumpkin when totally. I'm 30. Wait, what? It was so weird. Over 30. Wait, that's yeah. actually hilarious. Wow. It's really funny. Does it just go like, like open up at 30? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> wait, that's so weird. I've never understood it. <laughs> okay, so bring us back to the... so. The disc in terms of how do you... How does it go in then? How does it go in? So with a menstrual cup, if you've ever seen it or tried it, there's like four different ways you can fold it. It's Mm -hmm. a little like origami. Yeah, yeah. You got to find your fold. Um, With flex, you just pinch it in half and you slide it right in. You you push it back and down. Um, So if you Mm. imagine like a disc or even Uh like a like a hairband on your wrist. If you were to pinch that in half, it gets very, very thin, almost okay. as thin as a tampon. And you just use your finger to slide it all slide the way back it. and it pops open into place. Wow. How do you know if it's in there correctly? It makes that, um, you know, that little ding sound that it makes when you shut the refrigerator door. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> I was like, does it go... <laughs> and it's like, hey, <laughs> it's like little John. <laughs> that would be really, really cool. No, uh, you know that it's in right when you can't feel it, which sounds really weird and counterintuitive. Yeah, no, I mean, I can understand that. But it can't get lost inside of you. Like your vagina is like a cul-de-sac. And that's one of the big questions. It's like, there are days where I feel like stuck. it is a maze and I could get things lost. <laughs> Truly. It's not a black hole. <laughs> I mean, the thing about tampons or condoms even, I've had a condom stuck inside Same. of me before. Um, and that was pretty traumatic to get out. Mm-hmm. It's getting like wedged up around the side of the cervix. But because flex is shaped like a disc, it almost sits like a, a little shower cap around the base of your cervix. Okay. Wow. And the ring is what makes it pretty easy to remove because you just put your finger in. It stays on the clean side. Okay. So when flex is up there, the rest of your vagina is not bloody. Like there's okay. not blood coming out of the walls yeah. of your vagina. Right. So you stick your finger in and then you hook the ring and pull it straight out. And then So you don't have to like anti-suction it or like maneuver your finger around right. it like you do with the cup. And then it just dumps it. Yeah. And wow. it comes with a little disposal bag. We're working on something to help with removal and we're going to release it very cool. soon. Cool. A little hook. <laughs> <laughs> a little fishing rod. Fish yeah. <laughs> a little pussy hook. Fish it up. So wait, when you pull it out though, is it is it super messy or it's just, it is what it is. It just kind of like falls in like, I guess my question is, does the blood then in the area that was, not bloody. Is it now bloody? And it kind of has to like- As you're pulling it out. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I guess it depends on what angle you're pulling it out. So if you are sitting down, believe it or not, like we think that, oh, when we pull our tampon string, we pull it down. Yeah. And then gravity makes your tampon fall. And so we think, oh, like your vagina goes up and down when you're sitting. Actually, your vagina goes more straight out. So if you were to pull it straight out, um, the blood will stay inside of the catch. Now, if it's very, very full, it will be messy and right. it will spill. Okay. So I As usually tell beginners to 
used to it in the shower to totally. start with. But you're you're wearing it for 12 hours. So you I always tell people like remember to change it when you're brushing your teeth or like not yeah. when you're brushing your teeth, but <laughs> yeah. around the same time that you're brushing your teeth. If you're a your pro, you can do two at once. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Cause I guess my question is just nitty gritty question. It's like, so you take it out and then if you put it back in after um, cleaning it off, um, will you have a little bit of... Oh, it's disposable. You're not, oh. you're not rinsing it out. Mm. So there's no... But then you put another one, if you put another one back in, is there going to be like a little, maybe like blood in between? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Maybe on the outside of your vagina, if you're spilling it. Okay. Um, Okay. I just need, I need to do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I need to try it too. I encourage you to try it. Yeah. Oh my God. I'll do it for this next flow. Yeah. The big, like the two things that we hear the most often is number one, people forget that, that they're on their period when they're wearing it because you just can't feel it. Yeah. And you kind of don't realize until you use something that you can't feel that all the other products out there, you're either sitting in mm-hmm. your menses mm-hmm. and there's smell and all other kinds of things associated with that. Totally. Um, or you have this like hard phallic object that like all day, every day, you can like have this visceral reminder that you're on your mm-hmm. period. And so, you know, people say they can't feel it. And the other thing is a lot of people say it helps alleviate cramps because it's not blocking up the vaginal canal. It's not acting like a plug. Hmm. That's cool. Wow. That is so cool. Awesome. So when you, you had your yeast infect, did you know that there would be, a, is there any other products like Flex? No, we make two types of menstrual discs, wow. but they're both owned and made by us. Wow. And how did you discover that this was the best thing? Um, I had tried more than 30 products from all over the world. Wow. And um, and yeah, I had been studying the space for a while. I was just trying to find something that fit my body and that I knew was safe and wasn't going to give me an infection. And the thing that I really liked about the menstrual dis- design um, was because of where it sits inside the body makes it so uniquely comfortable. Mm. And then you were like, I'm going to do this. Like, what was the turning point where you're like, I need to make this for women? Mm-hmm. When I first found out that uh, tampons were giving me infections, started looking at alternatives. And that's at the time where I was testing different products from all over the world. And then I discovered that tampons, like the modern tampon with applicator and menstrual cups were both invented in the 1930s. (laughs) And I was living in Silicon Valley and it completely blew my mind because around this time, there's that startup called Juicero. Uh 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 Mm -hmm. It's just like a machine that squeezes a bag of juice and they had raised like a hundred million dollars or something. And then it's crazy. So crazy. And then there's this on-demand valet app company called Lux mm-hmm. that had just raised a bunch of money. And, and I was so angry. I'm like, mm. who are these guys and their bullshit problems? Like women's health has been completely ignored for almost a hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. Why? And then you look at who who are the types of people starting businesses. Most of them are men. Most investors are men. And frankly, it's not really their fault that they don't know about this problem. And so um, I just started talking to other people like, hey, do you love your tampon or do you love your pad? You know, we're buying this product and using it for 25% of our lives and none of us are in love with them. Like, sure, you might not have a problem with them. You might not really think about it because there's no other options really out there. But when you start breaking it down, like every time you pee, you either have to change it or pull the string to a side. Like, that's a crappy user experience, mm-hmm. as yeah. as you say in tech. Yeah, 
And so um, when I started talking to other people about their issues and sharing mine very openly, the idea just took a life of its own. And I was still working like an enterprise marketing job. Like I was not mm. in consumer products. Mm. And I got two calls from out of state fourth degree strangers asking me if they could order my product. And I didn't even have a product design yet. I had nothing. And Whoa. it was like the idea just... Wow. Because they had heard about you. They heard that I like was... Ideating. Yeah. About okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so interesting to think about the issues that are just kind of taken as what is, mm-hmm. you know, especially in like our world as females. Yeah. I, I don't know where it stems from. I mean, I think there's so much stigma around it. Like just the way guys deal with women on their period. 100%. There's, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the hysteria, obviously mm-hmm. that started a while back, but you know, it's just something. And and we've kind of played into it too. I think it's just something we got to deal with. It's just like part of being a girl. Mm-hmm. And I don't yeah. think it has to be that hard. Yeah. Because it is a beautiful part of being a woman. Like I'm kind of revisiting that. I went off birth control and I'm finally like feeling my body. Yeah. You know, so to make the experience even more enjoyable, I guess, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that you can really be in your body. So at what point did you bring on like business partners and and start to did, were you you were pitching to VCs? At, yeah, not for not for a while. Not, not for a while. Not at first. So, so what was like the track? The track was I was in the research phase for about a year and a half. Still working at your other job. Still working at my other okay. job on my own. Hustle, man. Then I quit my job shortly after I got those like phone calls and. It was just kind of time. We had gone through a merger with another company and just felt like the right time to go. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And then I worked on it for six months and um, hired a product, used my own money to like hire a product designer, find a FDA consultant, find a supply chain and manufacturing operations like advisor. I basically had, I created this list of everything I didn't know how to do, which was very, very long. Yeah, I started my life. And I just started like asking my friends and family and business contacts that I had, like, hey, do you know anyone who's done any of these things? And I just went out and talked to, I'm not exaggerating, like hundreds of people trying to get answers and trying to learn about what is it that I need to do to make something like this? And in the beginning, I lacked confidence so much in myself as like the founder and CEO of a tech startup or like a startup. Like it just wasn't my vision for myself. I thought that I would be the head of marketing one day. And it wasn't until I had a friend offer um, me a job to be the CEO of a company he was starting that it really, I was like, Oh, thank you. But no, actually, you know that period product I've been telling you about? I'm going to go do that now. Mm. Um, So the confidence that other people put in you kind of affirmed. Yeah. Yeah. So at that point, so just say give or take about a year and a half, two years, worked on it on my own through this list of things I didn't know how to do. I'm like, I need someone with e-commerce marketing experience. And I had just met this Front, like this YC founder, and he said, Oh, my friend Erica is doing this other vagina thing. She's selling vibrators online. I'm like, Oh, yes, I want to meet her. She sounds awesome. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we went to dinner, and I gave her a prototype of the product, and she tried it. And she tried it at work 
during a day of board meetings, and thank God she inserted it correctly. Right? <laughs> could have been a disaster. Could have been a disaster. Been a murder scene. And she went home that night and tried putting in a tampon and she called me and she's like, oh my God, like I've never had a problem with tampons. And all of a sudden it felt like razor blades. I don't know what this is, but I'm, I'm on board. I want to help you. Wow. So we worked together for about six months while I worked to raise money. Um, I, did she leave her old company or did she? Not at that time. She was kind of helping me out on the side. And then um, I personally ran out of money a few months after I met her and I was out. I was done. Yeah. And then I got an offer for $20,000 um, from this startup accelerator called Y Combinator. And it wasn't their full program, which we would later go on to do where you get $120,000. But I had applied to the $120,000 and they said, you know what? We really like you and we really believe in you and your idea and the way you're solving this problem. But this is all that we can give you until you produce your product. And at the time I needed $200,000 to make the first 10,000 units or so I thought (laughs) to make the first 10,000 units to be able Mm -hmm. to ship to people who had signed up and ordered the product. Oh, people had signed up and ordered. Yeah, but like ordered samples. It wasn't like pre-orders or anything like that, which we would go on to do later. But with the $20,000, I had to promise that I would not work any other job. And I called them back and I said, I can't take this $20,000. I'm so sorry, but I'm out of, I'm out of money and I need, I need to do something. And they said, well, you have a few months, you have a few weeks to decide. I'm sure you'll figure something out. And I came down to LA. Um, Erica had moved to LA at this time. Mm -hmm. She and I met in San Francisco. And I went to coffee with the woman and she said, you know, you should come out to drinks with me tonight. I think there's going to be some interesting people there. And met this guy and told him about the idea and... A few weeks later, I went in and pitched. They're called Amplify. Yeah, Justin's doing Amplify. Yeah. His new company. That's That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll have to meet then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I pitched Amplify in a boardroom and I'd never done like a full investor pitch like that. And they called me back. I had asked for 150K and they called me back and offered me 200. Nice. It was the happiest day. And they had no idea I was out of money, by the way, because people can smell desperation. So I had to go in. You would never seem desperate. Really Mm. confident. Um, But yeah, after that, I had money to pay Erica and she quit her job and started working together full time. Wow, wow, wow. That is so cool. When you pitch, were you like, did you ever have imposter syndrome? Oh, yeah. Like, what did you do? Like, to talk yourself through that? I don't know. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> it's like, I you know that idea. your product is yeah. amazing and you've literally been present at each step of the yeah. way. So I think to have the confidence of all of the information, all of the facts, and especially the personal experience, mm-hmm. yeah. I guess that that just reads. I think, like you said, they smell desperation. They also smell truth and yeah. they smell like you really believing in something that's changed your life. Yeah. You know, I think that's powerful. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And that's something that I get a lot because um, like the belief that I have and the conviction I have in the product and the problem and serving women and our broader mission to create a world where every woman loves her body, that comes through in conversations. Mm. And so I'm not... You know, it's kind of weird because I meet other founders, especially men, and they're 
confident and charismatic and they have this like crazy vision of how the world's going to be and they might not even have a product at all, but they just really, really want to be a founder or really, really want to be a CEO or really, really want to be on the front page of TechCrunch. And we're so, (laughs) (laughs) sounds real sexy. And we're so opposite, Yeah, you know? And, And for a lot of investors, they like that authenticity because they don't see it a lot. Did you find it difficult yeah. ever being a female? Like, were you ever like, if I was a dude, I would be so much further. If you were a dude with this product, it'd be kind of hard. But if you had another product <laughs> and you were a dude, do you feel like you'd have a better chance? I don't know. It's hard It's hard to say. Fundraising is really hard mm-hmm. for anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, it, building a business is really, really hard for anyone, regardless of your gender. The thing that I find troubling now is so much of the media talks about how hard it is to raise money as a female founder or if you have a women's product. And as a result, I get, I, I talk to, I spend at least one hour a week mentoring um, up and coming founders, particularly um, women and people of color. Cool. And when I talk to them, the first thing that they ask me is that question yeah. like, oh, it's going to be so hard for me because I'm a woman or I'm a person of color to go and raise that money. And I'm like, look, if you walk in the room thinking that, like you're automatically giving yourself a disadvantage because there are so many other things, like other problems that you're going to have to solve and you have unique advantages over some other founders that you don't even know about. So if you just put your head down and really focus on building a phenomenal business, you will find investors that are willing to invest in you. And if they don't understand the problem, like- Then they're not yours. Then- Yeah, or you got to do a better job explaining Mm, the problem or try explaining it in a different way. But if you go in with a chip on your shoulder, like, well, they're not taking me seriously because I'm a woman and I have a very- That's a great point. Young voice and blonde hair and I'm skinny and they're not going to take me seriously, then I could be missing all of the other objections that they had about the business. Mm. Yeah, there's a, yeah. You can feel when someone has a chip on your shoulder and as much as you'd like to see the product come to life or like whatever, you just don't. There's something about someone with a chip on their shoulder I don't really want to help sometimes, you know? Yeah. It's it's weird. It's like an energetic thing and people probably don't even realize it's like energetic. But Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's hard because people will say stuff to you that really can make you very upset in those situations. And you've just got to find a way to, I, I call it like playing verbal tennis got to just find a way to respectfully dish it back. And you, even if you don't want that person to invest in you, you always have to leave like on a positive note and make them feel like you would take their money, even if you know in the back of your mind you wouldn't. Like mm. it's your job to go in there and win. What's an example of like that verbal tennis? Do you have a time where someone was like said something and you're like, fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I um, So we have another co-founder mm-hmm. named Pan Pan Wong. Pan Pan. Pan Ooh. Love you. Yeah. That's he's awesome. amazing. He was an advisor to me like back before I had quit my marketing job um, and was with us all along the way and ended up joining us full time also. And wow. around the same time, Erica joined full time. What he went to a handful of investor meetings with me, but there was one in particular where it was the first time he had ever accompanied me and he didn't really see how sometimes men in particular would talk to me in these situations. And we're talking to probably one of the most famous investors in Silicon Valley, like a name that most people would know. And it's a very big like VC fund. And we go in and he 
um, says to me a pretty common objection, which is, how do you know that Procter & Gamble or Johnson & Johnson or Kotex aren't just going to go and copy your product tomorrow? They're not just going to go and make it. And so I start by saying, oh, it's really hard to manufacture. It took us like all of this time to figure it out. Um, the equipment is very expensive. You know, there's been similar technology out there for years. They've not tried copying menstrual cups. They've not tried making any kind of alternative. Mm. That didn't really work. He's like, no, I still think that they could copy you. I'm like, well, listen, I've talked to the heads of innovation at all of these companies. They tell me that they're focused on international expansion. He's like, mm, I still think that they can copy you. Don't you think that they can go to MIT and like hire a bunch of really smart people who know more about this than you? And they can just like go and build their own manufacturing line and like take over your business. And I just looked at him and I said, you know, do you have an example of another time when a startup came out with the technology and a big company copied them? Because I can't think of any. Mm. And he got really embarrassed and he's like, oh, you're right. I, Yeah, I guess that's a good point. I mean, I guess they usually just go and buy them. And at that point, I just smiled and then we moved on in the conversation. And mm, my, co- <laughs> my co-founder got really, really upset uh, with how they were talking to me because um, at another point in the conversation, I said, you know, you've invested in a lot of health products and health products for women. Mm. Um, What is it about women's health that um, you really care about? And he said, women's health. Oh, no, that's that's so niche. Like we care about healthcare, but like women's health, no, that's that's way too niche. And Pan Pan is just getting infuriated. And I'm like kicking him under the table. I'm like, don't show that you're mad. (laughs) Like you got to keep going. And when we walked out of that room, um, they did later on, you know, offer to invest and we declined, um, you know, politely. And like, now I like know this guy a lot better and I don't really take it personally and I can kind of laugh about the story. But I learned a really important lesson in that moment because if I had allowed myself to get flustered or upset, I wouldn't have been able to get to the root of his objection, you know? And that's always what you want to do if someone is fighting against you to try to understand like, what is really their objection here here? and how can I address it? It's a great point. That was beautiful. Because I think it could get emotional. You know, like mm-hmm. that's why I always see on Shark Tank. Yeah, every time I literally watch Shark Tank <laughs> twice a year because every time the the women are crying and it's like, oh yes, I've cried at work. Like I used to have like a cry room when I like first started my job. Like whatever it happens, but it just frustrates me because you lose them. It's like they lose it, they lose it, and they start crying, and then all the men are kind of gone. Yeah. You know, they're kind of like, up, oh, we're out. Yeah, like too emotional or you know too whatever. So it's always such a bummer to see like when women kind of lose that you know, being grounded about what they're doing. Because if they were, you know, devoid of emotion and they were communicating their point without it, it's super clear and it's concise Mm -hmm. and you know that they believe in it. But once you get emotional about it, you kind of lose it. It's in any conversation, I guess, but it's hard to see in like businesses. Yeah. And it's not discrediting the fact that you have those emotions and that those things aren't going on inside of you. Like leave and go have those emotions. But if you are up against all of these other challenges, you have like don't want to add anything in an investor's mind that's going to make them question you because mm-hmm. you're already having all these other objections that you're trying to address and you don't want your attitude or behavior to be one of those. Totally. Totally. 
when you were working, so when you and Erica started to work together to to do the business, how did you, like, did you just know you would trust her? You know, how did you kind of, how did your relationship develop? And like, how do you maintain a friendship while running the business? That's such a good question. No. Uh... Like, no, I don't trust her. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Well, I will tell you, um, so we started out with her kind of working with me as a contractor. And I said, let's work together for three months. And if it goes well, then we can talk about, you know, something more serious. But so I didn't go... Doing with Lindsay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's going on here. It's still... Every day is a test. Like, oh, where are you going? Where are you not? Um, but I was really clear about my expectations with her up front. And here's what, you know, you're to achieve in this time period. And let's make sure that we're both aligned. And she came up with her own ideas, right? I wasn't just dictating to her what to do. She's like, here's my three-month plan. Here's what I'm going to achieve. I'm like, great, do it. And then at the end of that time, we'll just have a really honest conversation. Well, three months goes by and I still hadn't raised any money. I'm like, hey, can we, and, or paid her by the way. I'm like, can you please just keep working with me a little bit longer until we raise this money? And I was giving her equity for her time. And, you know, she would later come on, um, you know, to work, work with me full time and be my co-founder. And it was actually after we had worked together for almost a full year, we went to some coaching session. And in that coaching session, she said, I don't trust you. And it was the most devastating thing to me. And I just like broke down crying and she broke down crying. I'm like, oh my God, why? She's like, well, I just, I think it's, I'm just so worried that you're going to figure out that I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, oh my God, like, Oh my God, none of us know what we're doing, right? And I don't expect you to know what you're doing. I just expect you to try, to try your best and to learn and have a growth mindset and to be really open and honest with me. And thank you so much for telling me. And, you know, I'm so sorry that you've been feeling this way. And like, it was this huge breakthrough moment for the two of us. Um, And so what, from that moment on, I think we've built a very, very, close, open, honest relationship. And we're very direct, which doesn't come naturally to either of us. And especially like we're non-confrontational. So especially when there's a problem or we say something that might hurt the other person's feelings, like we we tell one another and that has given us so much trust because we never are worried that the other person is mad or that mm. they're harboring like old totally. angry feelings about something. And we have a, bl- we have a blast and we, are so, so lucky because, you know, I get to work with my best friend every day now, but we didn't start out as best friends. You know, we've like worked at that relationship the same way I think you would with like a romantic partnership outside That's kind of how we were Mm -hmm. in a way because we had just met each other. Yeah, that's true. And we like started the podcast pretty soon. Yeah. But like we've grown, obviously, we're best friends. So close. How do you guys do that? I don't know. I think it's just like we're just really lucky that yeah. we have the same yeah. vision. We have the same work at work ethic, you know, like Lindsay and I have really, we're, we never stop, you know what I mean? And yeah. so like in the shared vision of what we've created, you know, keeps us going. And yeah, I mean, we're just really lucky. You know, we work at it, but we're really lucky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. We're too. not working with millions yet either. <laughs> so <laughs> we're not really in the equity phase but it's yet. Been so it's, it's been so fun too. Uh-huh. I think like yeah. we've just, 
as much work as we put into it, we really have. And especially in the last six months, really being able to meet the community and get out there and we get so much from mm-hmm. it, you know? And yeah. and so like us coming together as friends kind of by like serendipitous. The grace of God. The grace of God, yeah. And it just, it makes sense. I'm like, oh, you know, because I feel like in college you're like, roommates with someone. So you're best friends. You're kind of like forced into best friends. And we just like found each other in a way. And there's like such a greater purpose to our friendship too, you know? Right time, right place too. And for you too, you know, you guys are meant to be for that reason. Without a doubt. For you, when you talked about giving direct feedback, um, can you kind of give an example of that and sort of like maybe something that you guys have said and, and, you know, it being uncomfortable and then like the benefit of it? Mm Mm-hmm. I know it's kind and of like hard. how to phrase, you know, because yeah. sometimes it's hard. Especially like, with women. With women, yeah. yeah. We're sensitive. Well, I will say that Pan Pan, our other co-founder, is really the one that taught us how to give feedback really well. Mm. And he says, um, so he actually does a training now with our managers. Cool. And he's, um, Friday's his it. last full-time day with us. He's going to stay on the board, but he and I are engaged now. So... Um, oh. Wait, Pan Pan's your Pan husband? Pan's my fiance, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> That's so cool. Fuck. Yeah. For life. We fell in love while we were working together. And oh, wow. Yeah. So he's going to remain on the board and we hired this amazing COO from Dollar Shave Club who's coming oh, in and cool. filling his shoes. So cool. the company's in a good place and he'll still be working with us. But he does his manager training about giving feedback, which has kind of become a cornerstone of our culture. Um, and in people's performance reviews, they're actually scored on whether or not they've given specific timely constructive feedback or specific timely positive feedback. Mm. And we teach people how to do it. And you always, um, I think the thing that he taught me is you always lead with inquiry. So um, let's say uh, I come, like I had this protein bar on the table and I come back and it's gone. I'm not like, hey, uh, I noticed that you ate half of my protein bar. (laughs) Instead (laughs) of accusatory. Instead of Mm. accusatory, you know, you're like, oh, hey, I can see here that my protein bar is half eaten. You know, do you have any idea what might've happened to it? You know, you're Mm. not like going in with this pre-assumption, which is really hard sometimes, especially if you're upset about something that happened. And if you lead with inquiry and you're like thinking in your own mind, like I genuinely just want to ask and see how they feel, you can usually get a much better result. I'll, I'll give you a real example. So we had someone on the team who recently um, messed up something with reporting. And it was a really big mess up. And they've been reporting this metric to us for like, I don't know, six to nine months. And we just found out that it's always been wrong. Was it compounding? It was, yes. And so, you know, everyone makes a mistake. And so for that feedback conversation, it's not like, hey, why did you F up this report? It's like, hey, how are you, how are you feeling? Like, you know, and, and the question is really to see if the person realizes the gravity of their mistake. And the person was not Erica, by the way, and it was not, yeah. it was not my co-founders. Yeah. Yeah. But if I just went in and said, hey, why did you, why did you mm. mess up this report? You're automatically putting the person on the defensive and they're not going to be open to hearing the feedback. So leading with inquiry is something that's um, super important. And the other thing is you always have to give feedback in a timely way. So don't wait. Um, a, a mistake I often hear from 
new managers especially is I'll say, how do you like to give feedback? And they say, well, if I notice someone um, does something, I'll maybe like, I'll wait a little bit and see if they do it again because I want to make sure that I'm like having a really helpful, constructive conversation. And I'm really thinking about my words carefully when I go in there and I want to be very, you know, empathetic and nice. And I'm like, okay, so the person does something one time, like what about the next time? Well then, you know, the next time that they do it, then I'm like, all right, like I'm starting to see a pattern here. Like maybe, maybe I should just wait one more time and then I'll be really ready to like have a very good conversation. Mm -hmm. And by the third time it happens, you've basically, and you go and talk to that person, even if you're trying to be really nice about it, you're like, here are these three specific examples of the time that you do this. You, you, when they don't even maybe know it's wrong. They don't yeah. even know There's it's a wrong. Pattern. Yeah. You, then, then you have a case against that person. And while mm. you, your intention as the person giving the feedback was to do something nice for the other person, you've kind of missed the opportunity because the other person can't even it's defend themselves. <laughs> yeah, so it's better to just address things head on. So whenever Erica is mad at me it's about something, she's like, hey, like, did you know that you sent this email about blah to the whole entire team? And I had told the team yesterday that I was going to send this to them. And, you know, how did that make me feel? And so she's not assuming my intention, like, mm. hey, you went around me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure you were just trying to be helpful. She wasn't doing any of that. She's just like, hey, help me understand, like, why you wanted to send this to the whole team instead of coming and talking to me about it first. Mm-hmm. Love that. And it gives people opportunity to be like, oh, I didn't mean to, you know. Yeah. Or I had no like idea mm-hmm. it was wrong. And I would say for me, 90% of the time, it was just, it ends up just being a misunderstanding. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's always. And I'm like, oh, yeah. you didn't even, oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know that that's what you meant when you said that. Or, oh, mm-hmm. I didn't know that you, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. What's been like, through the process, what was the time? Was has there been a time where you're like, I don't know if I can do this? So many. <laughs> Literally, you're yeah, just like a founder. Mm. Yeah. Like, do you have an example of one? Yeah, I think in the beginning was the hardest mm. because, you know, I think it's over 95% of startups don't ever get off the ground. Wow. And I had dated a founder and I saw how who ended up having a very successful exit many years ago. And I saw the emotional and health toll that it took on him mm. um, through that whole entire process. And I was terrified. I'm like, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to raise money. I don't think I'm going to get this thing off the ground. And the only thing that I could do was focus on my mission every single day. And that to me was, I want to go out and have conversations about women's health with people of all genders And I want to be empathetic and I want to listen and I want to ask questions and create a safe space for people to be able to engage in dialogue and conversation Mm -hmm. instead of me forcing my opinion on other people. Mm -hmm. I just want to ask them questions. And that to me will be enough. Like if this never gets off the ground, it will be enough to know that I've got grown men in bars who are strangers crying to me over a beer because they've never been able to ask their girlfriend how he can make her PMS symptoms better because he's so afraid that and embarrassed that he doesn't know what to do. Mm. Mm. Have you had those conversations? Yes. (laughs) Many. Yeah. That's a strong guy. (laughs) Yeah. To be like that. And you said one of the things 
um, and I know you do this, so I'm interested to talk about it, is about creating the safe space where people can talk about you know, their sexuality and gender and things that go along with that. You guys do, a, what is it, monthly, quarterly? Quarterly magazine. Quarterly magazine. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Yeah. We created a magazine called The Fix. It goes mm-hmm. to our subscribers. So um, if you're not a customer of Flex, sadly, you can't get it. Mm-hmm. But uh, we always put a customer on the cover of the magazine and the magazine is inspired by people and really unique stories that you can't read or find anywhere else. And each magazine has, or each issue has a different theme. Um, One of the themes was I am enough. And it's telling stories of people who've done extraordinary things in their lives that they never thought that they would be able to do really just by finding a way to believe in themselves. And it sounds really, really cheesy. (laughs) But if you were to read the story, um, you kind of hear about that. And um, we always do a perspective of uh, a non-woman. So an example of that would be um, Pan Pan, our co-founder, my fiance, and another founder friend of ours who's also a male, interview one another about what it was like to live in America as a non-circumcised male. Mm -hmm. And like the stigma and the jokes and everything from the time that they were children all the way through to being adult men mm-hmm. and dating. And so we like to tell stories like that that are very unusual and very touching and maybe help open people's minds up to a different perspective without being preachy or political or anything like that. So cool. What has been the feedback? The feedback, it's been very, very well received. Yeah. I think that we get better with every issue. Yeah. Um, and we get... Has it created like kind of a more sense of community like within Flex users and created a little buzz to help spread the word? Yeah, for sure. It definitely helps create community. And like you, we have a secret Facebook group for customers. Um, What do you call it? uh, It's called the Uterati. Cool. Oh my God. I knew it was going to be a good one. You win. Fuck. Oh. That's so good. Wait, can we do, do you do t-shirts? We do do t-shirts. I would like wear a logo. Yeah, uterati. We have a sacred, like, yeah. a sacred geometry labia is the Shut logo up. for it. Come on, I'll give you guys a pin. I'll send you guys. Yes, and yeah, I'll give you guys some shirts when we get them. Dude, made uterati pins. Fuck yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> what has been like your, like personally, like your biggest area of growth, like in creating mm. the business and maybe connecting with the community and learning more about what needs to be done in order to change like this industry in particular, but also spreading the word about women's health and why it's important that we give attention to the products that we're using and the way in which we educate. Mm -hmm. Like personally, how have you grown? Uh, I've grown in so many different ways. I think Mm -hmm. the most interesting, surprising way to me is being a leader of a company Uh, being a people manager, being a performance manager and creating a culture. And when we very first started, we knew that we wanted to pay attention to culture and that culture was really important. And we had all had work experience, but I never really had worked at a great culture. We had no idea what that looked like or how to do it. And that's pretty scary. And now our culture, we have 18, we have I think 19 employees. Sorry, 19. You're not memorable. <laughs> Forgot about you. <laughs> so this Erica the other day, she's like, we do shout outs every Friday and we do gratitude. So everyone comes together and everybody gives That's a cool. shout out to a team member. And then each person says something they're grateful for inside or outside of work. That's a key 
milestone in our culture. Oh, I love that. But Erica said, oh, I have two showers this week. Oh no, I can't remember the second one. I'm like, clearly that you don't like that person. <laughs> yeah, right. It's real memorable, Erica. <laughs> no, we just uh, we're just hiring another person this week. They haven't started Great. yet. Um, cool. But That's the awesome. the culture is the reason that people join and the reason that people work crazy hours and the reason that people love what they do yeah. because we've worked so hard at that. So that's the area I've definitely grown the most in. Wow, being a manager, because that's hard. It is hard. It's so hard. It's very, it's a dance, yeah. you know, like being their friend, but being a boss, giving feedback, being worried about their growth, you know, trust. Yeah. Is, I mean, there's, it's crazy. Yeah. So props to you. Can we shift gears? Can we talk about your future TED Talk or your TED Talk that you were going to do? Yeah. <laughs> So before, sorry, so before this, we were talking about like TED Talks and stuff and Lauren actually has one up her sleeve. Well, it's a TEDx talk. TEDx, TEDx talk. talk. Okay. Mm-hmm. When I get the real TED, TED Talk, I'll call you I guys. don't know what the Yo, difference TEDx is. TEDx is important. What's, yeah. TEDx, you still, there's still like an application process. It's still yes. Wow. If, if you get a good one. Yeah, I put together a TED Talk on a topic that I've never publicly spoken about. Mm-hmm. And you the- first. <laughs> you're hearing it first. <laughs> Um, it's about my belief that there's no such thing as gay or straight. Mm. And um, I believe sexuality is a spectrum. And I I think the first time I'd ever considered that was when I took a sociology class when I was in college in my 20s. And uh, yeah, I mean, I was really surprised when I was about 25. Was it Kinsley's spectrum? I don't know. I think it's Kinsley has the mm. sexuality spectrum. No, I haven't heard of it. Uh, But yeah, when I was in my mid-20s, I'd been dating a guy for like four years. We thought we were going to get married. We were living together. Mm. And then I fell in love with a woman Mm. who was my coworker. The Kinsey scale. Who was also straight. Wow, you're good. I'm really fucking smart. It freaks (laughs) me out. (laughs) Keep going. She was a coworker. Yeah, she was a coworker. I know. How does that feel? Like, Did you feel- Yeah, what was that like? like guilty or was it just kind of like this fluid in terms of, were mm-hmm. you thinking about? Were you like, are we just really good friends or like, yeah. how did that evolve? It was really weird. Yeah. Uh, well, I I come from the South and my parents oh, are yeah. evangelical Christians Damn, wow. and they believe that people who are not straight are going to hell. Which is very serious. Um, I am not an evangelical Christian. I do not share or condone those beliefs in any mm-hmm. kind of way. But that's just to kind of set the tone for. Yeah, my family still doesn't know to this day. They would disown me. Wow. And so at first, um, I just thought that I really liked her as a friend, and I just could not get enough of her. And mm. and don't get me wrong, I love hanging out with Erica, and I love being with Erica. But I was also want my alone time. Mm-hmm. I was just obsessed with this woman. Mm. And I started having sexual dreams about her and over and over and over again for months. And I finally, and I would wake up and I would cry. I'm like, oh my God, what does this mean? I I feel so weird. I don't know what's happening. Um, And I ended up calling my best friend and telling her. And she was like, I I think you should pay attention to this. I think Mm. this could be important. And I waited another six months and until I finally got the courage to tell her and again, she was straight, like, or at least we both thought we were straight. And um, we were on a work trip and I, for whatever reason, had convinced myself that she also had feelings for me. 
which is delusional. And I told her, I just, I confessed my undying love for her. Yeah. She's like, I mean, I love you too. I guess we could try, but you've got to break up. You have like a four year long relationship and you're, this mm. guy's living in your apartment. Whoa. You have a dog. And so, um, yeah, I ended up uh, getting back from the work trip and splitting up with him and giving him my apartment and my dog and all my furniture. And I just moved there from Atlanta not that long before. And it was wow. like all of my savings were in that place. Um, and I didn't tell him until years later that it was because I had fallen in love with this woman. Um, but looking back in my life, even as young as high school, there were certainly friends that like, I'm like, okay, I understand now what was happening there. On. Um, with you or you just observe them? With me. Okay. Yeah, with Our me feelings. having feelings mm. that I wasn't... It was never like not being straight was never an option for me. Mm-hmm. So it was like a really weird thing to experience in my mid-20s to of like, oh, mm. there's this whole other side to me that I've completely shut out. And wow. I've, you know, that's when I started going to therapy. Mm. Yeah, is that the way in which you like kind of unblocked... Yeah. Because I feel like years and years and years of thinking that's wrong and sinful could block you from really experiencing like love mm-hmm. with you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, I would say I don't think I, I'm from the time that I was in middle school, I didn't think there was anything wrong with being gay. Like I, I very distinctly remember disagreeing with my parents mm, and having cool. a big issue about it. I wouldn't let my dad say, queer or Mm. Mm -hmm. other words that I will not say um, in front of my siblings. And I would have my gay friends come over to the house and I was, I was in theater. So I was always a big champion of the gays. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You've like Peter Pan and Lee Charlie. Like, hey. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was me. F you dad. I know that was Lindsay. (laughs) You were in Peter Pan? I was Peter Pan. Yeah. Oh my God. So cool. It was so fun. We're theater nerds. High five. Yes. How long did you guys date? You and that lady was she like in after you broke up with the boyfriend? Oh yeah, we yeah. were we were super in and love. And she had, she wow. was thought she was straight before as well. Yeah, she cool. did. Um, it was very sad ending to our relationship. Mm-hmm. I had gone home to Atlanta and I bought her a ring, not not with the intention of proposing, but it was a diamond ring band situation, mm-hmm. and I just wanted something very special to come to commemorate our year together. Yeah. And this journey that we had been on together of like coming out to a lot of our really close friends and our former coworkers. And I had left that job so that we could tell people. And it was a lot. And I remember buying her that ring. And then I went home and I'm looking at my family and I'm like, Mm -hmm. if I tell them I am going to be out of this family, so it's her or it's them. So I better be sure that she is my person forever. And she called me on Christmas morning and told me that she had told her parents about us. And we had not talked about her doing that. She just felt compelled to tell her parents on Christmas morning. Wow. And they, uh, we, hit, we had always thought that they would be the supportive parents and they were horrified. And they were like, you are not our daughter. This is, oh you have gosh. shamed us. It was, it didn't go well. Wow. And she was devastated and I was mm-hmm. devastated. And I was just like, I don't, I don't think that we're ever going to be able to do this because we're not going to have any support. So it was pretty hard. It's like at one, what point, I mean, I'm assuming you're close to your family. It's just hard. It's like, mm-hmm. 
you know, like, can you create a support system outside of your family that would maintain a relationship or not? Like, I don't even know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so hard. I feel like there's in, thank you for sharing that. This is like, I'm really proud of you. I know that doesn't matter, but I'm just thinking too, like, and for some people, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like, if you, or if a male is only attracted to a male from women's, like you may not have another option. Like, did, and yeah. you were still attracted to men, correct? So did you ever feel mm-hmm. like you could have another relationship with a man or, were, or with a man after you guys broke up? Or were you like Yeah, I ended hopeless. up dating another man after she and I broke up. Mm-hmm. And then I dated a woman and then mm-hmm. I dated a man. I kind of yeah. switched back and forth. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I was most scared about was that I would never find someone of either gender because there's things that I like differently about different people. And yeah. I think I've grown to find that there, it, I just fall, in, I, I know it's so cheesy, fall in love with a person. And I'm very fortunate that I found Pan Pan because he's absolutely my person, but my feelings and sexual attraction to women is never going to go away. And he mm-hmm. knows that about me and he loves and supports and accepts me. Yeah, um, And that, that whole part of me. So, um, and and the other unique thing about Pam Pan is he's a very, like he's very good looking, tall, like dark hair. And he is definitely a guy, but he has this really nice energy about him that I think is like, he embraces his feminine energy. Mm. He's not an effeminate guy, but he embraces his feminine energy. Mm. And a lot of his male friends, um, and he was not born in this country and a lot of his guy friends were like born all over the world. And we're all very, very tight, like a little family. And what's so interesting is all the women dating these guys are all American. And these guys are from Colombia and Spain and China. And, you know, they're from India. They're from all over. And all of the girls are American. And we're like, there's something so special about these men because they are completely full men because they embrace their feminine energy. And there's something just so refreshing about that. So key. That is so key. Yeah. Justin's like that. Mm-hmm. It's really? amazing. Mm-hmm. It's like, just so like, lo- like I never feel like I'm not loved ever. Like That's I amazing. never, you know how sometimes guys like kind of shut down and yep. they're kind of just like a wall or, you know, there's like no communication. It's mm-hmm. like, Justin is so such a man, but then there is like that feminine part of him that like is so nice. Yeah. I can't know? wait to meet this guy. Yeah, he's, oh, he's the best. Is one. he at Amplify right now? Because I'm right down so the he, street. Yeah, so perfect. So he just joined a company that I'll tell you about and they just got accepted to Amplify. So now they're going to be going through Amplify. So it's amazing. I'll have to like connect you. That'll be We're looking so at potentially rad. renting or like leasing the front half of that office. Really? Yeah. Mm, cool. We're looking at new offices right now. They're, so the company he's with now is in downtown Santa Monica. And I, I don't know if they're going to go to the Amplify oh, offices okay. or not. So I'm curious if, if they will, because he wants to, because he knows it's really close. Yeah. Um, so we could have like lunch. Cool. Ballers lunch. <laughs> I would love that. Ballers who lunch. Um, thank you for sharing that. I do want to ask one thing about, one more thing about Flex. Are you... And I don't know, so this could could have been going on for a while now, but um, in terms of spreading this mode of um, feminine care globally Mm -hmm. and to people who can't afford or have the resources to um, take care of their period, Mm -hmm. um, is that something that you're interested in doing or doing already? Yeah. Before I started the company, that was actually the original plan Mm -hmm. was 
you know, I I had worked actually where I met that woman. I was working at a nonprofit mm-hmm. that was supporting women and giving women jobs online, and in, in developing countries like India and Ghana and Kenya. And I really fell in love with this idea of supporting and empowering women. Not that I didn't before, but when you're actually doing it, you're like, oh, I can't do anything else Mm -hmm. again. And so when I started out, I was looking, I was talking to other um, people who had tried innovating in period products and who had failed. And I talked to a handful that had been successful, but there's not really been any big breakouts, right? Like things has gotten since gotten a lot of press and there's like tampon subscription companies and things like that. And there's like menstrual cups everywhere, but there hasn't been like one big, truly innovative company that I've seen come out. And that's like making their own product. And something that I... So I was trying to figure out why and talk to people that had not been successful. And one of the companies that I talked to was based in Germany and they were doing this like buy one, give one model. And they told me that they spent... $2 million trying to find a population where they could donate their menstrual cups. And they almost completely went out of business because they were selling lots of menstrual cups in Germany. And then they had all these menstrual cups to give away and they couldn't even import them into different countries. And then once Mm. they got them into the country, the people there were like, we don't need this menstrual cup. Like we don't even have bathrooms. Like we need running water. Like we have, like there's no way for us to insert and remove it. And, Um, And so I think the thing that I learned from that as well as like conversations with like Ford Foundation and Skoll is um, the needs for people in every country or in different markets are so greatly different. And so for us, the vision is, all right, like our product was made with women in developed countries in mind. So the US, Europe, um, Australia, Canada, China, Japan, et cetera. Um, But that leaves a huge, huge number of women in other countries that Mm. don't have products. And am I the best person to make products for them? Probably not. But my vision for the future is that we are wildly successful as a company and the company can then invest in entrepreneurs in those local markets and give them our business plan to say, look, when we were starting out, this is how we did customer research. This is how we built a team. This is how you do fulfillment and logistics. And then we're empowering other entrepreneurs to Mm. go and be the ones to solve problems um, that they're very familiar with. Mm. In a sustainable way. Yeah. Love that. That is so rad. That's so interesting about that company. You know, you found that out and you don't think about, there's so many things that you don't think about or, you know, as just like a general consumer. You wouldn't Mm. think, you know, there's regulations in different countries that maybe not let them import that product and, you know, that kind of thing. It's fascinating. Yeah. That is really cool. Okay. What are you excited about for this year? What's happening with Flex? What's happening with Flex? So many things. I'm really excited. We just got the Flex Instagram handle today. At Flex. Oh, let me follow. At Flex. It's currently a picture of some random dude who is currently. (laughs) Wait, so can we start following it? Yeah, you can start following. I mean, I think we're just going to transfer over the other, the other, account. So if you're already following- Oh yeah. Or you can keep it, right? The old account. Yeah. Um, oh my God. <laughs> Who is that guy? I think I dated So guys, him. follow at Flex. It'll, you'll have the handle by the time this goes up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. His name is- Ted. Is he holding a- Okay. I don't know what he's holding wow. in that photo. Cool. Um, looks but like he, a computer. He's been- <laughs> <laughs> He's real tech savvy. <laughs> um, so I'm excited about the Instagram handle. That's no, great. 
I'm really excited this year about, you know, we're working on some really interesting things for the community. Something we've seen uh, happen a lot is young girls, especially like 16 to 11, will come to the website and chat with us to ask us questions about what is happening to my body? Like, what is a period? Am I pregnant? Like crazy questions. And when you look at the states where these girls are coming from, none of them have sexual health education in schools. And so what we're really excited about this year is building out, like we have a much broader long-term vision and um, starting to actually put um, actionable things in place to get closer to that bigger vision where we're really having a a true community that's interactive and having content and information that's um, accurate and factual and unbiased and not politicized in any kind of way. And also like, if only I had flex and not a jumbo rocket size tampon when I was (laughs) first getting my period and literally my mom would have to take it out. Yeah. Type of stuff. <laughs> no joke. But like to, ha- to have that be the norm yeah. would be so rad. Be rad. Anyway. We had a, we had somebody last night who um, sent me a note and she's like, I couldn't get my 12-year-old ever to use tampons and she loves these. I'm like, that's, that's amazing. That's so cool. So cool. Excited about that feature. Oh my God, I'm pumped for you. Okay, great. So you, they can find you. The website is flex.com or flex.com. The Flex Company. Oh, I wish it were either. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's flexfits.com. So Great. If the shoe fits, the flex fits. I like that website. Flex, I like that. Flexfits.com. That's great. Yeah, that's amazing. Almost 30 is the promo code to get flex fits. And Lindsay and I are going to get or to get flex. Lindsay and I are going to get someone tried out. So yeah. we're pumped. I'm really We're going to videotape it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it. We a, have videos in the website of women trying it for the first time, but they're PG. Oh, you, you only see like oh. shoulders up. Oh, I want to oh, see like their the, faces. I want to see an x-ray. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I see, can like really follow it. I want to see like, the okay. X. Yeah. <laughs> we came up with a 3D animation. Oh, great. Oh, cool. And you okay. can see it actually going into, but it's not a real person. That'll but be she great. She has pubic hair. Oh. Cool. Yeah. Love that. Rocking it. Cool. <laughs> right now. <laughs> I got my for the first time this year. You did? Yes. Cool. Yeah. I'm loving it. Oh, oh my I God. Love, love that. I got laser in New York, so I don't have any, but I got laser too and back. it didn't work. Really? Cool. <laughs> I got it literally really? 15 times. Yeah. It's like a little um, thinner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't get um, ingrown hairs which is as okay. much because I, I ride the freaking bike and that's like mm-hmm. par for the course. Yeah. But um, yeah, it doesn't work. I'm blonde, but I'm dark hair everywhere. Yeah. I'm really thick. So. Mm. That's funny. I have blonde hair down there. Really? You're lying. And I oh, really that's have so cute. Hair. It's annoying. Wow. <laughs> no, it's no wonder you grew it out. It's like the United Nations down there. There's black, there's red, there's Oh, oh they are like <laughs> waving my flag, <laughs> bitches. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much. This was so this good. Thank you, you. Fucking killed it. This Everyone needs them. to know about yeah. this and your, your story yep. and- Thanks. The way in which you got this done is like incredible. Yep. And we're pumped for you to connect with them at Almost 30 is the promo code on the site. Thanks for listening. Thanks for rating and reviewing. It means so much. Follow us on Instagram at Almost 30 Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then tag us in your Insta stories whenever you share this. It means so much. And we will see you next week. Love ya. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Come